Welcome to the Human and Technology Podcast. This podcast is for anyone who develops, distributes or uses technology. For all those who always have the feeling that technology overwhelms or dominates them. For everyone who wants to know how to deal with technology in everyday life. For anyone who wants to understand what technology does to us and how we can get our lives back. This podcast is for those who want to make technology sexy. All the product developers, designers, UX, UI professionals, product managers, CTOs and CEOs. And it is for you. My name is Dr. Peter Reska. My friends call me Dr. Peter. I am your host and I am happy that you are here. When talking to my clients, when discussing with industry peers, with business partners, with particularly with people from the technological area, the software area, I often hear, why is it so specific to design an automotive HMI, an automotive human-machine interface? Uh, we, we see a lot of the smartphone paradigms being reflected in cars. And I mean, everybody has a smartphone. They're very well established. It works. It's accepted in the user base. And why don't we just do it and make a smartphone HMI onto a dashboard? Why, why don't we do this? And there are a couple of reasons why we should not do this. I mean, a couple of car companies are doing this. When I look at some of the startups, Uh, particularly at the uh, some Chinese companies, they have enormous amounts of glass on the dashboard and all these smartphone interaction paradigms, all the tapping, the long click and the two finger zooming and all that is possible. And the question is, uh, is that good or bad? I believe it's bad. And I will use this episode of the Human Technology Podcast to discuss five reasons why automotive HMIs are different. Why they differ from smartphone HMIs, from aircraft HMIs, from power station HMIs. Why is there a difference? Why is automotive specific and why do we need to have a particular focus on a couple of points and why automotive in-vehicle HMIs very often look different from others. And the first one is in cars, we welcome everyone. We allow everyone to drive. So we have a high variety of drivers. We have old drivers and young drivers We have experienced drivers and non-experienced drivers. We have fit and unfit drivers. We have diverse levels of education, uh, both in driving and in technology. We have drivers with a high focus on technology and other drivers that are skeptical towards technology. We have different cultural backgrounds. So cars are usually sold globally. So we have different cultures uh, that we need. So we have everyone in cars. This is opposed to, for example, an aircraft cockpit or 
uh, a power station or a chemical processing machine or medical devices there. But let, let's have a closer look at pilots. Pilots um, are a highly selected user group. If you want to become a pilot, you have to apply for that. And they don't take everyone. They, they, you have to have a certain level of physical fitness, of mental fitness. You have to bring in a certain amount of technological knowledge, background knowledge of understanding. You have to be able to think in 3D and three dimensions. Um, all, all that is something you have to bring in if you want to become a pilot. Then you run through several years of education. Then you are constantly on the job. You need to fly certain amounts of days per year, which was, uh, by the way, a big problem the aircraft industry had during the pandemic. Suddenly there were no flights and they were not able to have their pilots on aircrafts uh, regularly. And you need to return to flight simulators on a regular base. I think every six month, uh, months you, you have to show up and fly through certain dangerous situation to keep your competence up, to, to um, enlarge your competence, to, to learn, uh, to, to become better, to become a better pilot. So you have to do that. And this is all not the case in cars. I mean, in cars, we all do not have this. We Many people get their driving license. They never see any training anymore. And then they get into new cars with new interaction devices. And maybe they're critical towards them. And So, yeah. And if you have a look at an aircraft cockpit, they're doing things there I would never do in a car with all this information density, with the high complexity that they show. But they can do it because they have this selected and trained user group in there. And then if, if I'm in a car, I know how to drive it, and most people do. If I'm on an aircraft cockpit, I have no clue how to do something in there. So that, that is the first reason why uh, we have to differ between these, let's say, professional HMIs in aircrafts and trains and power stations and medical devices and uh, why, why they are different, why they can be different uh, compared to what we find on vehicle dashboards. Second point, driving is complex. It's a complex activity. If you imagine you drive in bad weather into a city you have never been before to, it's totally chaotic and dense traffic, you don't know exactly where to go to, you will know how much pressure that puts on you, how strenuous that is. And you have to think about driving strategies. Where can I drive? Uh, where, where is the right lane that I have to go to? How fast can I go here? What is legal? What is not legal? You have to orientate yourself in traffic. First of all, with all the uh, road furniture, all the traffic signs. And we have growing numbers of traffic lights, traffic signs of information that is there. We have um, markings on, on the street surface um, that you have to take care of. And we have shops and advertisements along the, the road that all try to attract your attention, that all try to 
grasp your view that that want you to look at and you have to have to handle all that you have to navigate in traffic i mean it is very seldom that there are no other traffic participants you have other cars around you you have buses and trucks around you you have delivery vans parking on the street you have motorbike drivers driving like crazy you have bicycle drivers you have pedestrians behaving totally unpredictable that is all possible that is all reality in traffic in real life traffic on real roads out there and you have to operate the car you have to keep the car in lane you have to brake and accelerate appropriately and you have to operate all the car vehicle functions like longitudinal and lateral control and the safe operation of of the entire car this includes the indicators the horn the windscreen wipers and all that is, is, is required to have a safe operation of the car and at the end you have to operate all the rest the radio the phone the playlist the communication the internet services you want to find out where is the next open charger where is the best sushi place around me all that is something that you do while driving and if you believe that oh driving is not that complex it's not that strenuous it's pretty easy it's it's not complex at all i believe it is so i i drive up every now and then here from the stuttgart area to berlin uh which is about five and a half six hours six and a half hours driving time and when i arrive in, in berlin or down here i mean it's not that i'm super done or super uh, tired but it feels like I, i don't want to do anything complex anymore you know i, I want to relax and sit back and um so this shows how how strenuous driving is how um mentally how how, how many mental co- uh, capacities you put into it and how complex it is at the very end of the day and so we need to have HMI solutions that take care of this complexity of the driving task. Next thing is the HMIs in vehicles they are safety relevant. And that brings us I mean we have something like we had 30,000 fatalities on german roads in 1970 50 years later we had to two and a half thousand 2500 which is a good step forward and yeah i mean technology has done a lot good in that um with abs systems um with airbags uh with crash zones but also the uh, better education of drivers uh, all that uh, counted into that and i mean we have this reduction of more than 90% in fatalities annually although we have faster cars today and we're driving awfully fast here in germany and we have more miles more kilometers driven on german roads but we are still far away from the zero fatalities idea that we should still follow it is an idea it is um yeah more a philosophical uh, target that we have but it is a target to have zero fatalities in traffic and for this 
we need to reduce driver distraction. Because driving is safety relevant and HMIs cause distraction. And all the studies of NHTSA and the DOT in the US, um, the, the, the Department of Transportation of the US American government, all these show us that driver distraction is serious. Drivers fiddling around with their smartphones, uh, drivers uh, searching for radio stations, drivers uh, turning on the seat heating or adjusting the, the air condition. All this leads to accidents and all this leads to fatal accidents. And so, opposed to, for example, a smartphone, that is a smartphone. And of course, it may somehow become safety relevant. But in itself, the use of a smartphone is opposed to the use of a car, not safety relevant. And if you have more capacities and that more mental cognitive resources put onto uh, the interaction, then at the very end of the day, um, it doesn't matter in a smartphone. And it very much matters in a car. So that again makes a difference. Car HMIs are safety relevant. Next point, and that somehow relates to everything I have discussed so far here. Driving is a primary task. So this means the full focus is or should be on driving. And we have more and more driver assistance systems, advanced driver assistance systems. And we have level three automation cars out there, the very first ones. But today and for a foreseeable time frame, driving will be the main task, the primary task of every driver. This is fixed. I'm, I'm doing this statement and... We will have this, meaning that everything we do beyond driving um, is requiring additional cognitive resources. And the core driving activity itself, as I said, it is not easy. It's a complex thing and it occupies large amounts of our mental capacities. And then we have remaining capacities and we can use them for secondary tasks. Like, uh, I mean, secondary tasks are related to, to the driving, like uh, turning on and off the windshield wipers, hunking the horn, using the indicators, turning on the air condition, all this. And then we have tertiary tasks that are all the others. Music, phone, navigation, internet, services, everything that is not closely related to, to the core driving task. And the core driving task eats up a lot of mental resources and Maybe you remember your very first uh, driving lesson that you had in your life. You were totally overwhelmed by, hey, what do I have to do? Ah, and I have to steer and I have to change the gears. Where is the clutch? Where is the brake? And oops, it's also complicated here. And of course, we get more and more trained. The more we drive, um, the lower the, 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 the amount of resources is that, that we have to invest into driving. And so we get the free resources for secondary and, and, and tertiary tasks. And it sounds a bit like this relationship between the primary task and the cognitive resources you need for that and all the others is constant. It doesn't change, but it changes. 
If you drive in the U.S. Midwest on a totally straight highway, totally empty road, then the, the amount of resources uh, you, you need to invest into driving is comparably slow. But that may change within seconds or even less than seconds. If, for example, an animal jumps onto the road or a car comes from, from the side or an, uh, a car comes from up front uh, on your lane, then you need to focus on the driving and suddenly you will need all your resources on the primary task. And the problem is, if you have secondary tasks or that, that's the main point we're talking about, the tertiary tasks or the infotainment tasks, the music, the phone, the navigation, the services... If we talk about this, and, and if you if you invest too much in that, I mean, you you will not have resources for them anymore. You have to switch, and maybe you do not even have enough resources to realize that there is a new demand on the road, that there is a change in in the main driving task that you have to put. Maybe you don't even realize that because you play with your smartphone and everything is good, and suddenly something happens outside. And you should turn your attention to the other. You just don't do it. And you crash. Because you use your mental capacities in the wrong way. And if you have more than uh, uh, demanding tertiary and secondary tasks, then you will pull away your attention from um, the main driving task and do something else and you will have a poorer performance, which then leads to lower safety as I just discussed. So we have this primary task. Driving is the primary task paradigm in driving. So we have... Uh, let, let's have a look at, 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 at the... I mean, all the other HMIs, like the pilot, like uh, the smartphone, uh, maybe even the medical device. There, the interaction with the technology, with the HMI, is the main task. If you send a message from your smartphone. If you surf something in the internet, that is your main task and that is or should do at least be the only thing you're doing at that moment. So you can use all your mental capacities, all your resources, all your cognitive resources you have for the interaction with a smartphone or with your aircraft cockpit, with your power station uh, 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 steering that you have. So you have these different levels of mental load. And you have different ways of sharing cognitive capacities, meaning you have to share them while driving and you do not necessarily need to share them if you're in other tasks. And so we need to have different solutions in cars because we have different requirements. Meaning driving is the main task and we have to do everything else that we do with an HMI, with a navigation HMI or an infotainment HMI, with a cluster HMI. We have to do that on the side with the remaining capacities. So we cannot use up all the cognitive resources a user has to interact with a device. But we need to at least be or en en enable the user To, to switch away from the switch away the the cognitive resources from the ADA system from uh, from 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 the infotainment system back to the to the road that is something that we need to ensure so no blinking no stressing 
uh, no quick interactions. I had this in various systems that you go down to a submenu, you realize, oops, I need to take care of driving now. I cannot continue. And 10 seconds later, when it could be possible, maybe a direct traffic light to return to your display, you find out, okay, it's all deleted. It's all the, the system jumped back to the main screen and everything I had done so far is is deleted. And that should not happen in these HMIs. And yeah, clear fonts, clear signs. Um, we need to have all these visual feedback loops on touchscreens, which I find extremely critical. Yeah, we, we used to have these central controllers um, with uh, the buttons around it that you could use blindly, that you could uh, stay on the road with your eyes and not switch to the to to the entertainment display or to the tertiary task in general. And so um, that that makes the major difference. That's that's the big difference that creates the big difference, and, and uh, all what I've said cumulates into this one. This is the reason why automotive HMIs should be different than automotive uh, than than smartphone HMIs. What I see in reality is um, that we have these Android Autos and Apple CarPlays, and we're going to reflag what's happening in uh, the smartphone in the car. And I mean, it's illegal in Germany to touch your smartphone while you're driving, but we put exactly the same content onto the infotainment displays. I mean, come guys, this 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 is ridiculous. And at the end, there is one more, one final point um, that I would like to mention here. Cars are the second most expensive objects we buy in our lives, behind our homes. Or even if we rent a home and we rent a car or we lease a car, then um, it is still the, the second, usually the second biggest point on our expense list. So the rent is the biggest and the car is the second biggest. And then it's not only the, the price you pay if you buy a car. So if you buy a 5,000 euros, pounds, dollars car and you believe that's it, I mean, you will quickly find out that's wrong. I mean, it starts with the gasoline or the energy you have to put in and then it goes on with maintenance and repair and yeah, you spend a lot of money into this and this will not stop in the future. You will have this more and more, these constant costs in cars. There are car makers thinking about um, making prescriptions on certain functions in cars, like the seat heating. Yeah? And then you have to pay an additional 11 euros, dollars, pounds per month uh, just to have a warm seat in, in your car. Or um, I'm, I'm paying about 170 euros every year to get traffic data and a couple of additional services. And I, I'm using the traffic data only, not the additional services. But I'm paying these 170 euros every year to, to um, buy this additional service and software to get the additional data into this. So cars are really, really, really expensive. And then you would expect that in this car, there is a high-quality HMI. And that used to be the case until a few years ago. Automotive industry is always said to be very slow, non-agile, um, slowly moving, very conservative. And this is for a good reason, because the products are highly reliable. They um, are very well available. They are very well designed. 
And now, I mean, those of you listening regularly to, to my podcast, they will know that I complain a lot about Android Auto when I'm in rental cars. And this entire thing is totally buggy. This system doesn't connect or it connects and then it doesn't reconnect when I get back into the car. It's losing the GPS signal and all these things are happening over and over. Suddenly functions are not available anymore and all this is pretty dirty. So you, you, you paid 50,000, 80,000 euros, dollars, pounds for a car and then you get a solution as cheap as this. For a smartphone, it's different. I mean, you have this very open system. You can download apps and you can do things and then if something goes wrong, I mean, you restart it. Yeah, I mean... I had never ever had a restart required for my car navigation system. But I restart my PC every day and uh, my smartphone every week just to get it going. And this also goes into the quality of the HMI design. How is it designed? How does it look? I mean, what, what I see in smartphones is so poor very often. We should not have this in cars. Again, this is how cars are unique and keep in mind if you work on a vehicle you will force at the very end your user to pay a lot of money to be able to use your technology all right let's summarize this one why are automotive hmis different than other hmis first one is everyone can drive we have a large variety in our user group comparatively, uh, com compared uh, to, to pilots, for example. Um, very high variety in the user group. Driving is a complex task. It is not easy. It is complex and it's getting more complex. We get more traffic density, more traffic signs, more traffic lights, more road furniture. So we find out that driving gets more and more complex. Automotive HMIs are safety relevant. They should not distract the driver. And we have this primary versus uh, secondary or tertiary task paradigm that uh, we differ, uh, that we have a limited amount of, of, of cognitive resources and we have to find out or ensure that there is enough capacities left for the driving task. And at the very end, it's a matter of price, cars are expensive, and the HMI should reflect it. Those of you listening to my podcast regularly will know this, they have, you've heard this, but uh, I can't say this more, I can't say this often enough. If you feel that this podcast gives you something, tell your network about it. Recommend this episode or any other episode or the entire podcast to peers in your network. The more listeners I have, the better I'm ranked on the respective platforms and the even more people get the chance to listen to my podcast and grab my knowledge. That's it for today. Thank you for spending time with me. I hope you were able to take something with you and do something for yourself that will be forever. For an ongoing exchange, you will find me on LinkedIn and on my websites, peter-rusker.com and beyond-hmi.de. Write me an email on the podcast at 
beyond-hmi.de. Tune in next time, take care and stay healthy.